Hello and welcome to the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast, member of the ANA Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. We talk a lot about people being left-brained or right-brained, conveniently overlooking the fact that we all have one of each of those in our heads. Similarly, the marketing world is often siloed into two groups, the business side and the creative side. But today's guest is proof that when those two sides combine, there's the potential for magic, or at least really great marketing. Das Nassimuddin is the CEO of Omelette, an independent creative agency that specializes in bridging the gap between creative freedom and business strategy to deliver results for clients. Thaz discussed the personal and organizational challenges to combining creativity and business savvy and shared the secret sauce behind the agency's success. Let's start the show. All right, we're back in the Marketing Futures virtual podcast studio with Thas Nasimuddin, the CEO of Omelette. Thank you so, so much for taking some time out to be with us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited for a chat today. And likewise. Uh, but before we jump in, I'd like to kind of hit a baseline with our, our listeners. Can you tell them a little bit about yourself and how your journey led you to become the CEO of Omelette? Yeah, of course. Thank you. Um, so I am currently the, the CEO of an agency called Omelette. I am a career a career strategist. So I've, I've been in the agency world for quite some time now, uh, but definitely got my have my roots in strategy. Relative to kind of how I got here, the, the funniest path, I think, is I was I started out as a figure skating coach, um, and I did that through my college years. And I think th- those that part of my career journey um, and really kind of understanding some of the elements of coaching and really kind of working with young talent was something that was really helpful in forming my, my years as not only a CEO, but as a strategist as well. Um, so when I, when I went through my career, I've been in agencies like uh, BBH and Deutsch and Shia Day. Um, and finally, I landed at this independent agency called Omelette. Uh, we're about 55 people out here in Los Angeles. And, you know, it was, it's been a really interesting journey, um, really taking our little indie spirit up to scale and working with big clients like Walmart and Google um, and really, really enjoying my time kind of thinking about what the future of agencies can look like. That's so cool. That's very, very cool. I love when, you know, life gives you that left turn, but that's awesome that you can bring all of the skills that you've kind of collected up to that point to it. So a lot of people talk about advertising as the sort of marriage of business and creativity, but as you were making your way through business school and like your career, you had a different experience. Could you share that with our listeners? Yeah, I think in in the very best case scenario, I think advertising has always been that kind of marriage of creativity and commerce. And, and I think it truly can be. But I think the, the way our industry sort of shapes itself, it often keeps kind of our creative and strategic folks out of the virtuous, the like more virtuous cycle of business, if you will. So mm-hmm. we're not really told how all of how how money impacts the decisions that we're made. Um, often, like we're given the answer that you know, money, thinking about the money can make you less creative. I remember kind of over the years hearing that from, you know, you know, don't, don't box the creatives in by making them think about money. Um, and, and truly, I, I don't know if that's always the best path. I think, you know, money and understanding it is really a powerful tool in creative problem solving. Um, I think too many people are kind of, particularly as you navigate large agencies, uh, we're never exposed to that side, um, really understanding kind of 
not only the, you know, whether it's a production budget, but also just how kind of budgets work on mass with and what a relationship really looks like and how you how you establish those things with your clients. I think it's an incredibly important part of, of empowering creatives um, to take more ownership of their own destiny, particularly as we're shaping ideas and solutions for our client partners. Yeah, I mean, that just, it's funny. It just sounds like absolute common sense. But even in my experience, I've had the same experience that for some reason, there's a fence put up for for seemingly no good reason. So as someone who's well-versed in both the creative and commerce world, how did you bridge that gap in your own career? I want to kind of start with the personal and we can branch out to the organizational. So it was really interesting because the first big creative shop I worked at, you know, I was told not to bring up my MBA. Um, and it's not a bad thing. I was like, you know, again, I understand why, but they're like, just don't tell people, particularly clients or definitely not your creatives that you, <laughs> you know, you have this MBA, you know, uh, what little did they know that my other focus outside of marketing was also in like board compliance and SOX compliance, like Sarbanes-Oxley. So I was like, I was definitely not destined for, <laughs> for, for kind of being that kind of creative vessel. But the, the, the flip side of it is kind of in my own life, I have a really deep respect for creative and creative people um, outside of my work. Um, a lot of my friends are photographers and artists and curators. Um, so it's the world that I live in for my life life, even mm. though I kind of have the other side of my brain, which is very much I'm tied to business and, and performance on that side. Um, so I think the two things sit in a really interesting balance for me personally. I also find myself in a position where again, as a lot of my kind of friends and my network live in the arts world, I'm helping them navigate the world of businesses and brand uh, because they're never often like taught the tools of the trade. And I think it's like often leaves them vulnerable. That's so awesome to kind of hear how your, you know, your life and your career kind of cycling those learnings and that experience back and forth. So you touched on this a little bit, but I want to uh, talk about it a bit more. Um, this idea that leaving the artist to the creator, blue skies, everything's possible. Don't worry about the boundaries. We'll take care of that. There's this idea that that really maximizes creativity. But what are your thoughts on that? I think to some extent, there's probably an element that could feel really liberating, particularly if you've spent a lot of your career constructing a bunch of CPG ads or like working hard on the benefits of toilet paper like I have. I mean, I have definitely done that side of advertising as well. Uh, but I, I truly believe that creativity needs some constraint to be truly creative uh, because without like the clarity around what the problem is that you're actually solving, uh, the solution itself becomes kind of obtuse and ultimately less effective. So I think that like Again, when we think about constraint, I think constraint goes hand in hand with accountability, um, whether it's accountability to the business, accountability to each other, or even accountability to the idea itself. I think that there are things that, again, work really harmoniously together. So, so I think that that is truly um, an important part of, I think, everything that we do, not only interpersonally as we construct work with our clients, um, but accountability just allows for, I think, our creatives to be the best kind of creatives they need to be. That's fantastic. And it's awesome that you're kind of helping your uh, creative friends 
bridge that gap because it is a very one uh, important one to bridge. But I would like to talk about the other side of the exchange and what that looks like. So if, if you know, the business folks can give creative parameters in which to work, is there a way for creative to support and enhance the efforts of their counterparts? So I think it's a great question because truly this is so much of this is all a a two-way street. And a lot of, of all of this is, is ensuring that we're speaking the same language. Um, it's also where I think kind of the role of strategy is so key uh, to being part of the client and creative process. As a strategist, my role was obviously to be very involved in the in a process of solving the problem, ensuring that we had the right insights and really kind of being effective and efficient with how we thought about things. Uh, but I also think that a key role of a strategist is, is translating and, and in a more kind of ephemeral way, like spiritual handholder on both <laughs> sides, uh, that like a great creative strategist can really play that role. Um, and I say translator because translation is a process where judgment isn't passed, right? So it's sometimes, mm. it, you know, it's it's a little bit more than literal translation, but it's 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 a part of being slightly more empathetic to, from a creative perspective. So really trying to just bring clarity and interpretation is such a it's such a hard role, but I think it's so critically important. Um, and I think you know empathy is also really important from a creative's perspective. So understanding that we are one blip in a client's day, and that blip should be you know productive and I almost dare say fun, uh, but understanding that wider context text that our communication, our ad, whatever it is, is living in so we can make that work really happen. Um, so the, that, that and making sure that our creatives and our strategists and our, our you know, account and brand folks really are understanding kind of the, the client side and the way their world and the way they're interpreting the world and the work that they're seeing based on the things that they're, they're, they're going through every single day that we as agencies are often not exposed to. Mm. That's so well said. I really love that like mindset of like, you know, understand your one little part of this person's day and like make the most of that little blip as you call it. So we've been talking about how you uh, like on an individual level have bridged the gap between creative and business in your own career, but how do you implement that throughout an organization like Omelet? I think it's, it's a really good question. And it's something that we are constantly trying to improve upon and get better. Uh, but one of the things that we often hear from our clients is that we are really good listeners. Um, so I think modeling both empathetic communication and leadership skills for our teams is really important, uh, but also the, the modeling the behavior of listening more and talking less. Um, and I will fully admittedly say I do this to varying degrees of success, uh, <laughs> but I think that it's so incredibly important um, to, to stress the skill of active listening um, and also stress productive collaboration and collaboration you know, is one of the most overused and often abused terms in our industry. Uh, but ensuring that our collaboration with our clients isn't performative, but functional. A lot of the time it's like, oh, we'll make sure that rather than just checking the box of making sure that, you know, people are seeing certain things, it's really about getting input and trying to learn from those moments. Um, whether it's a, you know, if you're pitching something and you're doing a tissue session, it's not just about, and having a moment where clients can see the work early and you know fall in love with it twice over, it's really about getting great insight about how and why something is working and how and why something isn't working. Um, but really instilling that 
value into everyone we work with has been a really, really great tool in getting at kind of this, this more harmonious balance between creativity and business. So I'm sure that a lot of the clients that Omelette works with are having the same challenges uh, bridging creativity and commerce. Uh, how do you go in and help a client when you know, like you said, that you know, they're not, you're not their entire life? So how do you go in and, and help them uh, with their challenges in kind of that limited spectrum? So, so I think that, again, one of the most important things that we bring is that process of active listening um, and really ensuring that our teams are not only doing that and modeling it for our more junior team members, but also helping our clients with the same because it's, it's, it's a really challenging thing to do to listen without judgment and rushing to solve the problem because that's what we all try to do as mm -hmm. agencies and clients. We always are trying to solve the problem immediately uh, and and, and thinking on your feet is so critically important to this business, but you also need to think critically about how you're solving the thing versus just responding. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's where we have to learn to kind of value the quiet times as well um, as moments of reflection, not necessarily, you know, negativity or anger, but really just trying to think critically about where we are trying to either take a brand or take a specific piece of communications, uh, because all of this, it, all of this works together um, to be able to make this better work. And, and I think that it's, it's a really challenging thing. I know a lot of our clients are internal creative as, as well at their organization. So they're very much living the same lives as we are. So and also having great relationships where you can talk openly about the challenges um, that they, they're facing within, you know, organizational structure, whether it's how to get an idea up the up the ranks of, you know, of the of a layered organization, or even just, you know, being able to 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 be an extra ear. I think that's that's a hugely important part of, of the client agency relationship. That's so well put, so well put. So from what I'm hearing, you know, empathy and relationship are two of the, you know, pinnacles of what makes Omelette a special agency. That's really hard to do from a Zoom screen. So how has COVID affected, you know, the secret sauce of omelet and what are you guys doing to kind of work around that or, or, or clear that hurdle? And it's a, it's a really great question because I think fundamentally, even though this does take away one of our superpowers, I think it actually strengthened us as an organization and, and as individuals because it forced us out of our comfort zones and into new ways of thinking about how we, we, form our relationships, how we listen to one another. I think it's actually made us sharpen some of those skills, whether or not we knew we needed to do that. Um, and it certainly hasn't been an easy time. There's been lots of ups and downs um, and the downs have obviously been really tough, but I think we are coming out the other end of this stronger than ever. We're, I think we're better at listening to each other. We're better at listening to our clients than we have 
been previously. Uh, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't looking forward to the day that we could do a presentation in person um, and we could feel and sense other people's energy. Um, I think also that ability to kind of riff thinking in a more organic and free flowing way um, is something that we truly miss right now. Uh, but, you know, as the world starts to cautiously kind of get back back online. It's something that we're really looking forward to, but also taking all of the learnings that, you know, we we have been so based on our kind of in-person kind of being kind of natural empaths or just being folks that are enjoy the company of others, right. um, you know, right. and, and taking that away from us has just made us learn about the other sides of our relationship building and how we do that and really make that work even harder than it has before. That's incredible. I mean, it's the whole idea. If art is limitations, then the last year was one of the most limiting ones that we've ever had. So uh, that's really cool. And it's something I'm hearing a lot from brands and firms that, you know, the, there was a silver lining to having to do and change and transform so much last year you know, now that the tide is starting to kind of reside a little bit, um, you're able to keep those gems that you kind of were forced to learn or develop uh, during the during the lockdown. So that's very cool to hear. So yeah. we we asked this question of all of our guests, kind of we just want to get the as many opinions from smart people about this as possible. So what are your thoughts on diversity, equity and inclusion? Um, you know, I have, I have a lot of these, obviously. Um, I think mostly the importance of equity in this conversation. I think, you know, I speak ad nauseum about this, but until we get to a place of, of kind of recognizing kind of our faults as an industry and how we've built a fairly unequal system, like for all intent and purpose, I shouldn't be here. Um, there, there are a lot of odds that have not been stacked in my favor, just as mm -hmm. a woman, as a person of color. Um, it's, you know, but here I sit in 2021 as one of the few female kind of women of color agency CEOs. So, so I think, you know, it's, it's a true honor, but it's, it's something that, you know, I really believe in, I may be the first, but I have to ensure that I'm not the last. Um, so mentoring and being part of programs that are really driving our industry to be better. So whether it's MAPE or Ag Color or One Shows One School and really participating within the city and local organizations um, and bringing more folks into our world that mm. maybe don't look the way that everyone else has historically. I mean, I, I also you know, was was raised very much by really wonderful um, strategists and a strategy community that that embraced me um, early on in my career. But I was very different, and and that was always very clear. Um, I've you know I've had mostly you know male white. English, mm. wonderful planners, uh, but that's so much of like what the industry, what the industry I grew up in um, looked like. And I'm really excited that, you know, the industry is shifting and starting to, you know, include more kinds of people. Cause I think it'll only drive us for, it's going to drive us further as an industry. Our creative product is going to be better. Our strategic project product is going to be better. Um, all of this is, it's, it's not just the right thing to do for society. It's the right thing to do for our industry and the work. 1000%. I could not agree with you more. And yeah, you just think about it for like how much market potential has been left on the table because of the diversity of thoughts not there to reach those people, those groups.
So we've, we've come to what, what some people, I, I used to call this the question of doom, but a few people apparently just have this up in their mind. So I'm not going to assume that this is a tough question, but it very well might be. Faz, are you ready? Okay, I'm a little scared with that intro. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I want to. I'm trying to make this a the, a the scary question. I'm trying to bring it back. That's what is your favorite album of all time, and why? Oh, you had to, right? Yeah. This is, this, yeah. All Yelp. right. I see. Okay. <laughs> question of doom. It's back. I see you. Um, okay, so this is literally the hardest question ever anyone's asked me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love music and I have tie- deep ties to the music industry as well, so it makes it even harder. Uh, I And I love most genres, which is surprising. I grew up in Calgary, so I, AKA the Dallas of Canada. Um, so <laughs> I actually also love things like country music and I and much more previously than I do now. I don't know anything contemporary country, uh, but I will say the, the, the genre that lives closest in my heart is 90s R&B. Um, mm. I am endorsed for this on LinkedIn. I have been known over the course of my career to create some pretty incredible agency playlists of just 90s R&B artists. I can even get so specific as uh, 90s R&B artists, uh, female R&B artists as well. So I, I have to say, like, I'm going to stick in the into that world. Um, and <laughs> I... Gosh, though, one single yeah. album. Uh, I see you buying time really for yourself. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm thinking about this really long and hard. So I definitely, <laughs> I do think a one of the more underrated and probably an album that you're not going to hear from on this podcast cast is Genuine's This Life. <laughs> oh, man. Love that. <laughs> you are definitely our first Genuine. Uh, uh, my <laughs> favorite album. We had a musical you know, child a couple of uh, episodes ago, but yeah, this is a genuine first. Oh God, that was a terrible pun. But you know, I, 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 I won't lie. He was maybe the last show I saw before lockdown happened, which was hilarious, uh, but incredible still. Uh, but yeah, I have to say, it was a powerful album. It's you know, there are song, there's there are things that just will sit with you forever and. Some of those songs are super powerful and, you know, I'm always there for our differences. Uh, and there, there's some, there's some great gems in there as well. So that's my long winded answer. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Be proud of your, your genuine fans. <laughs> um, no, but nineties R&B in general, it's just, God, that, you know, you just sink into that music and a very big fan of it myself. So I'm with you on that. So let's bring it to the uh, present. What are you listening to now, whether that's an artist, a song, a podcast, and why? Um, so I, this, the good news is Spotify just did the, they're like, this is what you're listening to the most right now. And here are some unexpected things that you're listening to. Uh, so artists, I have been a big fan of Jasmine Sullivan this year. Mm, she is mm-hmm. incredible. Um, and she, I think is the, it has been the voice of 2021 so far, at least in, in, in my home. Um, and, and I've been doing a lot of, it's funny as a strategist, like I have always been a really voracious reader. 
I love reading, but in these days, it's been really hard to focus on the more narrative things for myself. Um, mm -hmm. So I've been kind of focusing on more art books, if you will. Um, I love a good coffee table book, but also just kind of sinking into to some of the, the art that lives within it. Um, Black Futures by Kimberly Drew is, is one of my favorites. And I find myself kind of thumbing through it almost every other night, just kind of being inspired. And um, I think that it's such a great testament to the shifting voices in the art world as well. Um, and just these new perspectives that are coming out, out as we kind of shift our gaze from, you know, what we've always been told is the universal eye of art uh, mm -hmm. into the, the eyes of kind of new curators and creators uh, that's really helping kind of shift the gaze. And, and that's really exciting to me just at, on whole. Um, so that's what I've been reading so far. That's so this cool. Year, 2021. Very, very cool. <laughs> And yeah, I've been a uh, Jasmine. So I think I first heard her on like a Wale song like 10 years ago or something crazy like that. But I've been a fan ever since, maybe not 10, but you know, um, so very, very cool. So um, before we let you go, uh, if there are some of our listeners who, you know, are like, well, I need that, the bridge from creativity and commerce, uh, maybe Amla can help me. How can they get in touch with you? How can they get in touch with Amla? Um, you can certainly find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on Twitter. Um, I'm at THAZ7 on Twitter. And, and please like feel free to reach out to um, Omelette. You can reach, you can actually reach our chief marketing officer, Sarah Sigorski at Sarah at omelette.com. And it's O-M-E-L-E-T.com, not omelette the way it's traditionally spelled. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so, so much for joining us. This has been the Marketing Futures Podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Futures Podcast. Have an idea for a topic or guest for a future episode? Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. Be sure to subscribe to the Futures Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, if you're looking to get smart on the future, point your browsers to ana.net slash futures.